0: what up everybody welcome into locked on warriors i am your host charles t hamilton got my man wes goldberg joining me in just a minute the dubs played in philadelphia tonight but that game was not the headliner it was the first game played in kobe bryant's hometown since the tragedy struck on sunday and uh, kobe bryant and eight other people passed in a helicopter crash and there were Emotions and tributes and just mixed feelings galore, some sad feelings. It was a sad night, and it's been a sad couple days uh, for the NBA world, but uh, he was honored well in Philadelphia. We also, oddly enough, need to transition to basketball as well. We haven't talked about Willie Colley Stein trade uh, that happened about two minutes after we recorded our last podcast, so we're going to get to all that as well. Uh, And it's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Going to be joined by co-host Wes Goldberg in just a minute. As I mentioned before, it was the first game played in Philadelphia ever since the Tragedy that struck on Sunday uh, in Philadelphia, being the home home city of Kobe Bryant, it was an emotional emotional evening. A lot of beautiful tributes. Uh, some basketball was played as well, which really seemed secondary to honoring uh, the late Kobe Bryant. Which uh, I thought both teams in the city did incredibly well. Uh, we're going to cover all of that. We also have some basketball we need to cover. That is always kind of odd to transition from, you know, the real life happenings in the world to to basketball, but we need to do it, and we're going to do it, and it's all coming up in just a minute. But first, are you looking for a spring vacation? Follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. You get to follow your favorite baseball team to Arizona for Cactus League, 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures, All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Meet the players and get autographs before games. It's such a great experience, guys. It's like summer league in the NBA. You're rubbing shoulders with these guys at the local restaurants and bars. It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience for a baseball fan. It's also completely family-friendly. Bringing kids along to spring training, it's a fantastic destination for families. Family-friendly resorts and hotels offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, from water parks to horseback rides to games and activities. Arizona has tons of stuff for kids to do and see, like wildlife parks, science museums, aquariums, and dude ranches. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That is visitarizona.com slash spring training. Wes, you are currently wandering the streets of Philadelphia after... Another loss by the Golden State Warriors to the Philadelphia 76ers, which is probably the third or fourth most uh, interesting thing that happened tonight. Uh, As we all know, the tragedy that struck the, well, just the world in general, but the NBA world recently with the passing of Kobe Bryant and the uh, eight other passengers in the helicopter that were with him. This was the first game played in Philadelphia since that happened, which uh, is where he grew up so to speak played uh high school basketball there and there was a lot of different tributes and and moments uh just honoring kobe and you were there Wes. well what what can you tell us about uh what happened this evening
1: well before even the game i went over to kobe's high school which is 30 minutes away it's in a suburb about 30 minutes out of downtown philadelphia and so i went to his high school uh to check it out because I had known that they had put a memorial together for him and uh, it was pretty emotional, man. Like I, I, I got there and you know, I think everybody was affected by the Kobe thing in a different way. And obviously like I'm working and have to, you know, write about it and talk to people about it and things like that. But it's also, you know, it's a process for, I'm sure it was a process for you to sort of figure out what was going on. It was a process for me to sort of like digest it while working and try to write about it and make sense of it all at the same time, and I kind of get to this memorial, and it was just pretty astounding, you know, how many people turned out uh, during it. And I, I walked up, and there's probably about a half dozen people there, and, and the group grew to maybe, you know, almost 20, uh, and I think people came in and out. I would, I would estimate probably 50, 50 people kind of went up and in and out of this memorial kind of area, and each and every single one of them were just like visibly emotional. And it, it like, you know, I was taking photos and I'm working on a story about it, but it, you know, it struck a chord with me too. Like I had to like stand there and just like take in the scene and just sort of pay my own respects to Kobe Bryant, Yeah. Um. despite all of that. So uh, that was my afternoon. And then I go to the arena, you know, I go to Wells Fargo itself and, you know, it's weird vibe. Like you you said it before, it's the first NBA game played in Philadelphia, which is Kobe Bryant's hometown. I mean, he grew up. He was born in Philly. played he, he spent the first four years four years of his life here. Went to Italy, uh, where his dad Joe Bryant was playing basketball, and then returned here in time for high school, where he led um, he led his high school to their first state championship in over fifty years. And then just went straight. And this was back in the day where you went straight from high you went straight from high school to the NBA. Played twenty years in the NBA. Uh, so it was like it was literally Philadelphia. And then, you know, five years later, he's winning another NBA. He's winning an NBA finals, basically, five or six years later. So, um, you know, pretty emo- it was, it was emotional stuff that there was a weird, you know, somber vibe in the arena tonight. Uh, they did a, a tremendous job with their tribute. And um, honestly, I, I do not even, like, watch the game. You know, I don't, like, really know what happened. I was, like, I was sitting in press row just writing about, like, the memorial and everything that they were doing and just sort of the weird vibes completely. That's what my, my game story was completely based on that. There was literally one paragraph about what happened in the game. I guess the 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 76ers went on a 9-0 run to start the fourth quarter that basically won the game. That was it. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and everything else was about Kobe.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so weird when something like this happens. You know, I've never met Kobe. I, you know, I, I've watched him for sure. 20 years. But, you know, a guy that you've never met, his passing, this tragedy – has such an effect on you or me personally? I know it did for me, and
1: yeah, like, how did you find out?
0: You know, oddly enough, I was uh, I was sleeping in on Sunday. I had a text from my sister who's not a sports fan at all, um, and it just said Kobe Bryant. And I'm like, well, what is this about? So I immediately Googled him and saw the news, and uh, it just was absolutely heartbreaking. It's it's such a tragedy beyond just losing Kobe, obviously, but just uh, I don't know. Maybe it was, you know, the fact that LeBron had just broken his scoring uh, record the other night or just whatever it was. He was just so.
1: Did you believe it at first?
0: Not really. I was hoping it was wrong. I was hoping there was some sort of, you know, stupid Twitter troll or something or, you know, especially since it came from TMZ, who uh, not to knocked. That was my spot
1: yeah it's like it reporting TMZ. is more
0: usually that someone's dating someone else or something it's not that you know we lost don't one kill of the best people. NBA players of all time exactly
1: yeah so that was like my first thought was like oh it's tmz like oh, i gotta wait for like a credible source to report this i'm like tmz does gossipy stuff but they don't like mm-hmm. they don't just accidentally kill people like no. they don't just like this they they are much like they know that they can't do that that would hurt yeah. their brand way too much yeah uh but that and so that kind of sinks in and then ESPN reports it and ABC news reports it and then all these other outlets start reporting it and you're just like, Oh my God. Uh, yeah. it was while I was at chase center when it happened and on Sunday, uh, walking in at like 10:20 AM, uh, for, uh, warriors practice and literally was like, just had just gotten there. And one of the other reporters who was already sitting there, uh, was like, yo, did you hear about Kobe? Uh, and I was like, what? And he's like, Kobe died. And I was like, get the hell out of here. What are you talking about? Like yeah. that's that's, I do think that makes sense. Here's a Philadelphia garbage
0: truck for our listeners. <laughs> there it is. Um, I told you it was on the streets so, of Philadelphia.
1: I meant it. Yeah, it's mostly filled with cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: um,
1: yeah, yeah, it's so, just, yeah, it's, it's, was,
0: it's such a tragedy, but I wanted to ask, you know, because it affects people like me. I've never met him, but it completely affected me. We all know that, you know, Steve Kerr and Draymond and Steph and all these guys right. had... Uh, relationships with him. Clay, you know, his dad's been doing Kobe's game for years. How has been the, how has the, uh, I mean, obviously it's a bad vibe. It's a sad vibe, but how has the team and and guys, D'Angelo Russell, how how have they been uh, reacting to it and kind of, you know, going about their their business day to day ever since it happened?
1: It's been tough. Um, You know, that Sunday they basically canceled practice in the middle of it. Everything. You know, coaches put down clipboards, players stopped dribbling the basketball, and everybody just wandered off in their separate ways. They just stopped. It wasn't even talked about. They It just didn't need to be. They just stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first time we spoke with them was uh, Monday night in Philadelphia. Uh, they landed, had a late practice at Drexel University, and Steve Kerr still didn't really know how to process it. Uh, he had, you know, he, he was eloquent as always, and had you know, good things to say, but just was visibly still processing it. Draymond Green was extremely emotional and we know that Draymond Green is an emotional person, right? He is a mm-hmm. fiery guy. But this wasn't fiery Draymond Green. This was sad. This was um heartbroken Draymond Green. And we don't get that Draymond Green very much ever, if at all. Um and that's what he was. And uh he had a real he had a real relationship with Kobe. I mean, he was going through that stuff in 2016. Mm-hmm. You know, much of it was his fault, right? He got arrested for assault in East saying He you know, the dick pick was out there that summer, like stuff like that. And and he was getting a lot of backlash from the media. And Kobe reached call gave him a call and he was like, dude, screw all those guys, basically, you know, yeah. in, in so many words. And Draymond was like, that's all I needed to hear. And he went on and helped the Warriors win a finals that season. So um you know, I think they're they were dealing with that. We spoke with D'Angelo Russell for the first time post game today. And, you know, D'Angelo Russell, he's 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 an interesting guy in general, I think. I think we're all sort of realizing that more and more um, since he's gotten to Golden State. But he had a very interesting quote about him playing with Kobe his rookie season. He was like, it, it it didn't feel real. Like, it felt like if I went to touch him or shake his hand, my hand would go right through him. Like, yeah. just, he wasn't even, like, a real person. It's like, first of all, interesting way to think and verbalize your thoughts about Kobe <laughs> Bryant. Like, but also like, yeah, I kinda get it, right? Like that that like that makes sense to me. Like he was sort of like this mythical figure. Uh, and that's literally the words that Bob Myers used. Bob Myers, you know, it's it's strange. Like the words have such a connection, you know, throughout the organization with it. Bob Myers worked for Arm Tellum, which was yeah. the who owned the, the the agency that uh Kobe Bryant was signed to in his early years, and Bob Myers told the story of walking into uh and to so those aren't offices in offices in, in the Los Angeles area when he, on his first day of work, Kobe Bryant was sitting in the lobby in a, in a chair wearing a Joe Montana jersey and Bob Myers went up to him and talked to him because everybody, you know, everybody knew who Kobe Bryant was even at that point. And he's like, I'm going to win 10 championships and then I'm going to move to Italy and finish my career there. And he's like, dude, you just averaged seven points a game your rookie season. What are you talking about? Like... <laughs> And he went and won five championships, you know, and had one of the most decorated NBA careers ever. You remember that. Mike Brown, of course, the assistant coach, coached him for two years. Like, there's a lot of people who have connections to Kobe. And I think that's probably the way it is across a lot of NBA rosters. But with the Warriors in particular, it just, uh, it it still took some digesting, but I do think that's a night of a a cathartic moment for them. And it it maybe helped them uh, along in the grieving process.
0: Yeah, uh, a lot of beautiful gestures around the league, guys. Uh, changing numbers from either eight to something different, or from twenty-four to something different, uh, to show the respect to Kobe. Uh, Joel Embiid wore number twenty-four tonight. They also yeah. did the eight-second violation, four
1: twenty-four points.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the twenty-four-second violation to uh, honor Kobe. Just a lot of, a lot of beautiful stuff to. Um, honor him and his life. And just, uh, I don't know, such a tragedy. I don't know how to continue to talk about it. Something that's going to be on our minds for, for a long time to come and it feels stupid to try and transition to basketball, but that's what we're going to try and do uh, in just a minute. If you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with locked on to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Warriors is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Warriors fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Warriors fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to to hearing from you so Wes as I mentioned after such a horrible tragedy for the NBA and just the world in general uh losing you know nine people in a, a helicopter crash uh recently we do have some basketball we do have to talk about uh it's been a couple days and so we do have to eventually get to it and one of the things that happened recently with the Warriors which uh you texted me right after it happened because it it happened about 10 minutes after we recorded a podcast <laughs> on Friday and had talked about Willie Cauley-Stein potentially going to the Mavs. He got traded to the Mavs. <laughs> and it was yep. for a second-round pick, uh, Utah's second-round pick, which will most likely fall in the 50s somewhere. Uh, just give me your reaction to the trade and what you thought about maybe what they got in return and should they have tried to get more, use more leverage, etc. cetera. Uh, where are you at with the Willie Cauley-Stein move?
1: It's interesting, right? Uh on one hand it makes sense. You trade uh, Willie Kleistein's salary and and that's it's a higher it's a bigger salary than, you know, Alec Burks or Glenn Robinson or these other minimum contract guys. Uh which allows them to sign not only Marquise Chris, but also Kai Bowman. They're gonna be able to promote both of those guys to the CMA man roster, which is indeed the plan. But uh I that was that was sort of the you know, I think uh a lot of, like, I'm gonna go off on a tangent here, but a lot of productivity okay. kind of gurus will talk about things like, hey, look at your to-do list, what do you have to do? And if you're trying to prioritize your to-do list, what's the one thing that just makes all the other things easier, right? That's a, that's a productivity guru type of line. Mm-hmm. And in this in this case, like the easiest way to get done what the Warriors needed to get done, which was to eventually promote Marquis Chris Kaiba to the three-man roster, was to just trade Willie Cauley-Stein. Like, you just do this, and all these other things become easier. And we, we've we talked on this podcast about the fact that they do have a, a little bit of a numbers crunch at, at the center position, too, because if everybody's healthy next season and under contract, you're looking at a situation where, you know, you've got Kavon Looney, Marquise Chris, Willie Colley-Stein, Amari Spellman potentially playing some five. Um, like, that's too many guys. So, you know, that was something that was kind of bearing down on them as well. Uh, so you just you trade Willie Colley-Stein. I think they were happy with Willie, but I don't think that they were just, you know, blown over by Willie either uh, I think that there was a part of them that thought hey why are we getting just eaten alive by the likes of Jonas Valanciunas and Hassan Whiteside and these guys when you're seven feet tall and I think if you gave Willie Cauley-Stein truth to him he'd tell you he'd pr- prefer to be six four and a point guard than <laughs> seven feet tall and a center and uh, he did have a finesse game about him he approached the game that way and I think they're looking for a, a a big body who who plays like a big body. I think that's what they want in that in that bullpen, so to speak. And he just wasn't doing that. Um, and they were very. I think they like Marquise Chris probably the most of all these centers right now on the roster. So they wanted to you know figure out a way to get Marquise Chris on there. So uh, yeah, that's basically that was that was the idea. Now, what did they got in return? Wasn't great. We're looking at probably like you said, a late you know in the fifties type of second round pick it's not going to end up being very fruitful whatsoever, but um, they do get off that player option for next season. They save some money that way too. And uh, and for Willie Colley Stein, I mean, he goes to a Dallas Mavericks team that could really use him. I mean, it's like what we were talking about on the podcast when we basically said this is a perfect fit. Um, evidently it was because, like, he goes to the Mavericks. They're going to be a playoff contending team. He's got his player options for next year. and uh, he, he should be there this year, and, and you know, maybe he'll – they will put up great stats in the up-tempo offense playing with Luka Doncic and sign a more lucrative contract this year, or if they'll just come back to Dallas and and write it out for another season. But um, I think it just makes sense for both sides, really.
0: Yeah, no, I'm interested to see how he does. Uh, well, you know, in that pick and roll tandem with with Luka, especially how Powell was was putting up good numbers.
1: Yeah, uh, yep. you know,
0: I. Uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong eventually and uh, maybe I believed in him for too long, but I still think, you know, with the right pick and roll partner, I think Willie Colley Stein can be a valuable option. Um, One of the things to me that kind of spoke to the warriors, I don't know if desperation is the right word, but I'll just go with desperation to move on from his contract is the fact that they took a very late second round pick to do so. And it speaks to, One, what they can do with the roster spots with Marquise, Chris, and Kai Bowman. Two, the roster spot next year uh, that I'm pretty sure that they want open instead of having Willie Cauley-Stein. Because another thing you mentioned is, you know, you're getting your ass kicked by Valanchunas and uh, uh, Gobert, et cetera. But you're the seven-footer. You're the traditional center we have. So it's time to find a different traditional center. Uh, Because even if they kept Willie Cauley-Stein, that was still going to be a problem. They were still going to have to find a bigger body to battle these guys. So it seems like they were pretty uh, desperate, willing, whatever, to to move on. Um, especially with Dallas, you know, it just you were kind of hoping they were going to be able to get their original second round pick back from them. But you know, uh, a pick in the high thirties was probably a little too rich uh, for Willie Cauley Stein. But one thing that I also want to bring up is in moving Willie Cauley Stein, so we assume they want to bring up Marquise Chris and Kai Bowman would make sense. Probably going to be the case. But if they can dip below the luxury tax this year, that will keep them from triggering the repeater tax next year. So if right. they're able to move, say, Alec Burks and, and Jacob Evans, I don't know if that's enough to get them under. I know it's really close because I think it was about $6 million that they were over uh, to start the season. You know, Maybe that's something that right. they look to do instead of bringing up Kai Bowman and Marquise Chris. But then again, if you look at it and they move those guys, you still have to have a certain number of players. So there, there could be some interesting maneuvering going on uh, with the salary cap, but they also just might say, screw it and bring those guys up and figure that that's more valuable than, uh, you know, potentially avoiding the the repeater tax.
1: Yeah. I I do think that there's a little bit of, um, would they like to avoid the repeater tax? Absolutely. But um uh, I just I don't think it's very realistic. Like yeah. it would probably take having to get off of Kabal Mooney when nobody's taking that salary right now. Yeah, um, and trading him at his yeah, lowest that. value. Too. Correct. Yeah, and so uh, look, the the whole point of the season is, hey, let's figure out what our bench is going to be next year. Yeah. And they see Kai Bowman and Marquise Chris as a part of that. And and I think rightly so. I think Kai Bowman through an eighty two game season gives you a lot defensively, gives you enough shot making. Like he'll have enough of these like weird like. 12 to 15 point games every once in a while that kind of lift you in a random game in December or January. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then Marcus Chris, I do think they view as a long term piece. Like he is a, mm-hmm. he started, he started at center in every game since Willie was traded. And I, I do think that they view him as a guy who could compete in a playoff setting and, and, and provide value in that sort of setting. So, uh, this year is just about figuring out who those guys are. You just promote those guys. You call it a day. And you just move on because this hard cap has been difficult to uh, deal with. Um, but I, I do think that the Warriors have done a really good job of identifying the guys that they want around next year. And again, trade Willie Clyde Stein also allows them to bring those guys up while also still keeping Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson. It increases our leverage in any yeah. sort of trade discussion. Like we don't need to move them. So if you want one of these guys, you need to really give us a good offer. And so I, I you know, I've I've said it over and over again, but. They're not going to just trade Alec Burks for nothing. They're not. They will if it's if it's like this Utah pick. They won't do it. They would. They would prefer to just roll the dice and trade and see and hope he takes a hometown discount. Yeah. Um, and maybe you bring him back next year, yeah. right? So I think that that's a also a really big factor in this.
0: I mean, Marky Chris, he's had a, a nice season for sure. But ever since he returned on that two way, he's been great. Uh, he had 15 tonight. He was out running uh, Joel Embiid. You know, obviously knowing that Embiid can muscle him. Uh, down on one end, but he can outrun him on the other. Uh, I've loved the addition of Marquise Chris the entire year. Ecstatic they were able to bring him back on a two-way. And, yes, the late Utah pick most likely won't be anything, but maybe you can attach – maybe that's enough to attach to Jacob Evans to move him. Or also, if you look at it, look, Kai Bowman went undrafted. So Kai Bowman was available at 52, 53, whatever the pick is. You know, there's undrafted players that are gems every single year uh monte morris was i think 51st a couple years ago so it's not impossible it's just about making the right pick but yeah more than likely you you strike out on it but it's not nothing it's 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 something it might be closer to nothing but it's still something for willie collie stein which uh you know i think is a a positive um as far as tonight's game went you know they lost played hard made some threes whatever (laughs) (laughs) exactly But, uh, Wes, I'm going to let you go. Go uh, run the streets of Philadelphia. And uh, we'll uh, be back tomorrow with more Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast
1: on the Golden State Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day.